the flood is over uh that and now Gen now noah is now out of the ark and Gen yeah i probably should have just kept going there Welcome to the Ask Anything Podcast, because some things are better said than read. My name is Peter LaRuffa, and it is so great to be back with you after almost a month of not being available, not being able to record, and I've really missed it. And several of you have asked me, like, where have you been? Is everything okay? Are you still going to do the podcast? I have every intention of still doing the podcast. Um, but here's basically, like, I don't know where January went. Like, if you're anything like me, I keep joking around, and I, I told my whole church yesterday, like, I'm having a New Year's party on March 1st. Like... That January and February seem to be like ancient history, and February's not even over yet. And so January came about, we had a great Christmas and New Year's, and then I think I recorded one episode in the beginning of January. And then January 6th, my piano was delivered, which I was super excited about. Can't wait to get a tune, but I'm playing that thing all the time. Such a blessing. Steinway upright piano that I had at my mother's apartment in New York City that's been there since I was literally six years old and finally got it moved out to our home in, in Kentucky. So I'm very excited about that. And then I went to bed that night and I said to Sarah, I don't, I don't really feel great. And what do you know? The next day, January 7th, which also happened to be my birthday, I wake up, I have all the symptoms of COVID. I get tested. Turns out for my birthday, I received a positive COVID test. Super nice and personal, had my name on it and everything it was very special. So that really wasn't terrible. Um, I had a couple of days of being down, uh, but my fever was never above a 99. I just had general achiness and fatigue. But thank you so much to those of you who reached out and who prayed for me. I was really bummed to not get to preach on Sunday, January 9th. I really didn't like that. But God had other plans and such is life. Then let me think, after that, the following week, uh, Sarah got COVID. Then the following week, I was out of town. Then the following week, Sarah was out of town. Oh, and then last week I recorded an episode, but didn't record properly. So we had technical issues and here we are. Happy February. And I'm excited to be back, even though we had a long hiatus and the podcast has kind of been hibernating. And so I'm going to get right to a question that was asked several weeks ago. And here it is. Is it okay to not want to have kids? Uh, and then kind of, there was a uh, a comment after this is, I always thought the Lord would give me the desire at the right time. And so that's the question. Is it okay to not to want to have kids? And um, we're assume, we'll assume a couple of things that I know to be true. This person is married. And so basically what they're asking is, is it okay if me and my spouse, we don't want to have kids? We love the Lord. We're married, but don't really feel called to have kids. I always thought the Lord would give me the desire at the right time. And so let's start with just a couple of general truths that I want to uh, point out to you from the scriptures. First of all, you will notice that throughout the scriptures at all times, kids are always represented as a positive, as a good thing. You'll never find kids spoken of in a disparaging way throughout the scriptures in the Old Testament or the New Testament. Uh, probably the classic verse for that that comes to most people's mind, if you're familiar with the Bible, can be found in Psalm 127, beginning in verse 3, which says this, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So think of the way the psalmist is describing children there, right? Children are a heritage, fruit of the womb a reward, arrows in the hand of a warrior. So they're useful. They need to be aimed, but they're great to have. So all of these, this is a poetic way of saying children are 
wonderful. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what other religions say. Children are a blessing. They're a positive. They're a plus all the time, every time. Now, we know that sometimes children are born under circumstances that are not so great. And that's really, really sad. But you know what? Children are always a blessing no matter how they enter our lives because the Bible says they're a good thing. Uh, Back in the book of Genesis, uh, one of the first things that God tells Adam to do, uh, Genesis 1 and verse 28, he's speaking to Adam and Eve. He says, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so here's one of like God's first marching orders to Adam and Eve, right? Says, be fruitful, multiply. So be fruitful, have kids, multiply, have those kids have kids and generation after generation, uh, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, populate the earth and subdue it. So have ownership and management over all of God's creation. We see something similar also in Genesis chapter 9. And so the flood is over, Noah's out of the ark, and all of a sudden God says what to Noah? He says, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, here we go again, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so there's another command given to, there's a command given to Adam and Eve. There's a command given to Noah. I want you to have kids. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to fill the earth. There are other passages we could look at, but those are the three that came to my mind that I wanted to call to your attention. Now, in the New Testament, we see similar things. Jesus always welcomed children, right? Uh, When we look at, I'm thinking of a verse like Matthew Uh, chapter 18. So in the Gospel of Matthew, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so what is this? This is another example of children being put on, children being shown as a positive, right? As a plus, be like this child. It's not saying don't be like this child. And you know, elsewhere, if you're familiar with the gospels, there's times when the disciples are shooing away the kids and Jesus says, no, 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 no. Let the little children come to me for such is the kingdom of heaven. Let them come. And so he's saying, I love kids. Kids are a positive. Kids are a really, really good thing. It's not directly related, but we see in Paul's pastoral epistle of First Timothy, Um, Paul says, as he's looking at the requirements to be an elder, um, in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3 and verse 4, it says this, he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Now, that has nothing to do with having kids, but it shows the relationship between a church leader and his family. And here in this case, a church leader who is a father who has kids, that's that's something that actually really matters and serves as a a qualification or a disqualifier for being a leader, uh, in this case, a pastor elder. Um, In Ephesians 6, uh, Paul says, children, obey your parents as in the Lord, for this is right. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. So there's this desire that God has throughout his word that parents and children would live well together. And so in the New Testament, you still see children and family as a blessing and as a gift. There's still a positive. I would just say it differs a little bit because there's a shift where the New Testament focuses, uh, I would actually say, more on adding to the family of God 
uh, through evangelism, through preaching the gospel, that all of us who believe are the children of God. I think the New Testament puts a, a primary focus on adding to the family of God, as that's actually a more important thing than adding to your own personal family. It's more important that I would spend my time on earth, which is short, expanding God's family than necessarily just focusing on expanding my family. I'm not saying it's wrong to have kids. I got four. I love them all. Love having kids. I love being a dad. But throughout the New Testament, there's a shift, and the focus is on adding people to the kingdom of God, preaching the gospel, and seeing God change lives and hearts. And the bottom line is this. Nowhere does the Bible command every married couple to have children. I mean, you just can't find it. You can find that children are a plus, and you can find that there are commands to have children. But I would also say you also have to look at the commands in Genesis chapter 1 and in Genesis chapter 9 and realize there's a common denominator. When, Jesus, when God is giving that command to Adam and Eve, when God is giving that command to Noah, it's at times when the earth is empty. And so I'm not saying we're not to be fruitful, but as far as filling the earth and multiplying, I think that's something that has been happening and will continue to happen. And I do think God calls us to be fruitful, but I don't think the way we apply God's command in Genesis 1 is the exact same way that Adam applied it. For example, Adam was having dominion and subduing the earth by naming the animals, but I don't have to name the animals. I don't, I don't uh, subdue the earth and have dominion over the earth in the same way that Adam did because I'm living in a different time. And so having dominion, subduing the earth, being fruitful and multiplying, all still good things. How that's applied in 2022 by Peter LaRuffa is different than how it was applied by Adam and Eve. And so I want to give you some points of application to, uh, uh, to think through. Because I think for many, it's going to be God's will for them to have children, either naturally or through adoption. But I think for others, it's just not his will. And so here's what I want you to think through, several points of application. First, you need to understand that if you don't want kids, please understand that that is not normal. Now, you might hear that and be like, wow, really? Thanks a lot. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not calling you weird. I'm just saying statistically, as you look throughout church history, as you look throughout like centuries of believers, the vast majority of believers got married. The vast majority of believers had kids. If you're a believer and you're married and you don't want kids, I'm just letting you know that is not the normative pattern throughout believers and throughout church history. And so that should cause you to think, okay, It may not be wrong, but why am I thinking through this so differently? Why is it something that most believers really long for and really want? Why do I not want that? It's enough for you to pause and take it before the Lord and ask him to show you your heart. Pray what David prays in Psalm 139, right? Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So the fact that it's not normative doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong, but it should be enough for you to at least pause. Number two, closely related to that, there's overlap here. If they're always presented as good throughout the scriptures, which I believe they are, children, always presented as a positive, always presented as a reward, uh, as a blessing, I think you need to ask yourself and think about and pray to God, why do I not want something that is always presented and seen as good? Now, These are not meant to be cornering questions, like, you know, questions where it's like, that's not really a question, that's more of a statement. No, I'm saying genuinely ask these questions and take these questions before people who you trust and before the Lord to say, why would I not want something that God always says is good? You might have a very good and God-honoring answer for that, and that's fine. 
that I think this is kind of how you need to think through this. This is the lens that I want you to look through. First of all, realize you're kind of at odds with most of church history. And second of all, realize if there's something that God is saying is good, is there a good and godly reason that I would not want that? Maybe there's a motive there that might be disclosed or revealed by the Lord that you perhaps need to change or perhaps need to uh, repent of. Number three, uh, I said it before, but I'm going to say it again, growing the family of God is more important than growing your own personal family. Again, I'll repeat myself. I love having kids. I'm glad if you have kids. But the emphasis throughout, particularly the New Testament, is growing the family of God. And so I think that is more important than growing your own personal family. Number four, I would say this. Tread lightly when it comes to this topic. This issue, friends, is fraught with disappointment and sadness and heartache and pain and trauma and a whole bunch of really, really, really uh, deep and dark hurts that are oftentimes very difficult to speak about, very difficult to think about. And so in my opinion, you may feel very strongly about this, but I would tread lightly. I would think before posting a truth bomb on Facebook. I would think before approaching somebody thinking that you know the reason why their family is the size that it is, because if you're wrong, chances are you're going to be very hurtful. I'm not saying we don't engage uh, in discussions about these things. I think we should, but please tread lightly. And that's not me saying be afraid, but it is me saying be careful, because sometimes we needlessly hurt people with our truth bombs and with our well-intended sentences and well-intended conversations. But in reality, they reveal that we have been wise in our own eyes and we're not necessarily correct. Oftentimes we're very wrong. So please tread lightly and be careful. Closely related to that, give grace in abundance. Let grace abound and assume the best. And so I can recall uh, a time in particular where I, from afar, I never approached this couple, I never spoke to them about it, but I just kind of, from afar, was very wise in my own eyes and just assumed, I see the way they're living their life, I see their standard of living, which doesn't seem sinful, but I bet their family size is what it is because of their standard of living or because of how they're living their life. And I just kind of thought that and filed it away in the wise in my own eyes file in my head of the things that I just knew. Come to find out, I hear them talking about, they're talking about something completely different, but it ties in to the size of their family. And I found out, wow, I could not have assumed more wrongly. I was dead wrong. It was not what I thought. It was something completely different. And I was humbly and quickly and thankfully quietly corrected by the Lord. But I've not forgotten the lesson that he taught me. It is not good to be wise in your own eyes. I think, generally speaking, 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, loves, hopes all things, endures all things, believes all things. We should be assuming the best of one another and not the worst. And so don't look at somebody's family size or choices that you think they're making and think that you understand the why behind it. Oftentimes you're seeing the what. You might be seeing a fact in front of you, but you don't know the reasons behind that fact. And so please tread lightly assume the best. Again, this issue is can be very, very, very painful for people to discuss and to consider. And then I would say, if you think that the Lord has laid it upon your heart to speak to somebody about this, if there's something that's really been burdened uh, or that the Lord has given you a burden for someone and you want to speak to about this, I would say, tread lightly, assume the best, 
but please go to them, not about them. Now, this is general Christian living, right? This is general, don't gossip, don't talk about people, don't malign them, don't slander them. But if you're going to go to them, please go to them with grace. Please go to them understanding that your goal is to be like Jesus, who is full of grace and truth, which is what the Gospel of John tells us in chapter 1. You say, I'm more of a truth person, I'm not a grace person. Okay, I'm more of a grace person, I'm not a truth person. Great. If you're not a truth person you're all grace, you're not like Jesus. If you're not a, um, what did I just say, grace, truth? If you're, not a, if you're not the other one, you're also not like Jesus. You're supposed to be full of both. Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. And so prayerfully approach this topic and people, if you feel called to speak to them, go to the source, but do so in grace and in truth. It's my hope and prayer that this was helpful to you as you consider these things. It's always a pleasure getting your questions. You can find me on Instagram where there's a link in my bio where you can submit questions anytime or wait for the stories to come out and then you could submit them there. And so I'm Peter LaRufa. Thanks for listening. Hope to see you again soon.